0: Well, welcome, Uh, our scripture for today comes from Matthew 5, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 48, and I'll just go ahead and read that real quick. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, Ian here, who's giving the message today. John is around, but he's not preaching today. Uh, I'm glad you're here in person uh, and worshiping with us online. I have the privilege of sharing God's word today uh, about love and about enemies. We have been talking about the kingdom of God in our midst in this sermon series. The kingdom of God is in our midst even when there's a lot happening around us and when others vote differently from us in this sermon series we've looked at the at, we've looked at the way we view others who are different there are many differences that we have politically racially religiously we see that despite many of these differences Jesus still engages crossing cultural and Gender lines with the Samaritan woman, as we read in John chapter 4. Chris brought us a message about humility that it's okay sometimes when we don't know, and we will be okay when we admit to ourselves and to others that we don't know. We don't have all the answers and certainly go through periods of trying to present ourselves as best we can, even when there's a lot of uncertainty. John then spoke to us about how much God loves us, sending his only son to die for us while we were still sinners. That the kingdom of God is in our midst and will not forget us. He also shared a message about how Jesus has predicted that in this world we will have trouble. Troubling election debates and perhaps even troubling election outcomes. And pandemics, but He will never leave us. He will give us comfort, and we can find peace to make it through these times. Our passage for today is really calling us out on our Christianity and what Christian love really means. Love your enemies? It's easy to love those who love you, it's even easier when others make it easy to love them back. Pray for those who persecute you. You might say, I'm not so sure about that. Persecution can leave many scars. We have also just finished what feels like a very long election cycle. Being in this pandemic hasn't helped things. It's kept us a little bit fatigued our movement and worry about the future health of our country some good news is that our next president has been chosen he's been chosen by people who you may love like family who voted the way you do or who you might hate who are from an opposing worldview you have neighbors friends family members who may have voted the way you did and it's easy to love them. There are others who did not and it's a little bit tougher. We are called as Christians to love all people. Like John was saying a few weeks ago, you cannot say you love God and hate your brother or sister. The part about hate is something that falls outside of the lane where we find our right standing relationship with God. That lane with God is where we can become vulnerable, we can examine our motives, and our desire for power and control over things and others, our deep need for affection and esteem, and our grasp for survival and security particularly when we feel the vacuum within us, more acutely. Some of you are aware I come from a country that instituted a system of separateness between races. It gave control to a minority of white South Africans. But that's not where the story ends. Things changed after many years, and we had our first Democratic election in 1994, which included all citizens. That was the first time I was eligible to vote by age and race. It was also the first time my older sister, brother, and my folks, and about 33 million other people were eligible to vote. It was a long time ago, but I remember standing in line with a friend of mine, having this feeling of freedom that we got from this historic event. There were other South Africans in line who identified as white and were not so joyous. You see, it was the first democratic election after segregation was imposed on all those who were categorized as non-white. And all indications were that it was going to be a landslide victory for the opposition, for the African National Congress led by a guy named Madiba. I remember two things very, very clearly. I remember looking around at the others in line and how those white South Africans looked troubled. They were troubled about the changes and about how it would impact them. Perhaps they felt a bit fragile. Power and control As they knew it was about to change. The other thing I remember was my view of them standing there in line. It was a strange feeling. Perhaps it was because I was seeing them look so concerned. There was something in me that welled up into a feeling of superiority. It was as if I was finally becoming a person of worth in their eyes and a little bit more. Something like, you had your turn, now it's mine. When I think of it now, it was so, so, so unhealthy. Such a strange feeling and yet it was there. Somehow, I wanted to instantly become a person who was dominant over others moving very, very quickly from a position of being oppressed to being in charge, and perhaps oppressing. A couple weeks ago, I went out to vote in my first election as an American, and I did not have those same feelings towards others. I'm not 100% certain why, but I know that God has been working on my identity And so I'm not as wrapped up um, in power and control as I was back then. As we rolled up to the polling place, I was expecting to walk in and there would be music playing. There was no music. (laughs) Not even in my head. You know how it is when you have some significant events in your life, the firsts. You kind of want to remember a song or the mood or something else that was going on, maybe a smell. Nothing for you. But I was nervous. I was nervous about coloring inside those little oval shapes. But as we move forward into a new year, let us not forget our responsibilities to pray for our leaders, even Donald J. Trump. I have a letter at home that is signed by him and I'll just quickly read it for you. See that signature down there? Dear fellow American, on behalf of the people of the United States, congratulations on becoming a citizen of this magnificent land. No matter where you come from or what faith you practice, you are now an American citizen and you share the sacred rights, responsibilities, and duties that unite us as one people. Our nation has always welcomed newcomers who embrace our values, assimilate into society, and pledge allegiance to our country. In turn, America embraces you and ushers you into a fraternity defined by mutual kingship and affection. Our patriotism is the bond that holds us tightly together. Although you and your fellow naturalized citizens hail from many places and come from many backgrounds, as Americans, you all now bear the torch of American history, inheriting a legacy of common heroes, values, and traditions that stretches back through the centuries. This American legacy is now your legacy, this history, is now your history. Our traditions are now your traditions. You now share the duty to pass the legacy of liberty, history, and and tradition to the next generation of Americans. The United States is now your homeland, and all Americans are now your brothers and your sisters. You have pledged your heart to America. And when you give your love and loyalty to America, she returns her love and loyalty to you. We celebrate this special day. We welcome you into our national family. We applaud your devotion to America, and we embrace the wonderful future we will have together. Congratulations and welcome. May God bless you, and may God continue to bless America. Sincerely, Donald J. Trump when I read that message, this letter, um, I read it a few times, about a year ago, uh, It gave me a different feeling, a feeling of hope, a feeling of love, a feeling of acceptance, a feeling of being embraced. So it was troubling when I could hear the same guy talking about immigrants the way he does, but he's saying, welcome to this nation. I've come to the realization that he, too, is on a journey of sanctification. He is being sanctified by God. He, too, needs to learn how to fail well and have his identity shaken until it is shaped by the newness that only God can bring. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. But I tell you, love your enemies. What is Jesus saying to us here about loving your enemies? Part of this will on your definition of what an enemy is. So I looked it up in one of my dictionaries and it says, a person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. A person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Can we love someone who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something we value? The kind of love that we are called to with regard to our enemies is not the same kind of love we have towards a close friend or a family member. The way you love your parents is not the way you will love your enemy or a person who is in a different political party. The way you love your closest friends is not the same way you will love someone who voted for a different political candidate. The difference is that our natural love is born from the heart. The love of your enemy is a love of the will. When you see parents with a newborn, and we have parents here today, you can see how gentle and how soft they are with such a precious little life. When you see old friends who are getting along in their years, you see how comfortable they are with each other, and how generous. It's not the kind of love that's been asked for us in the scripture, loving your enemies. To explain that type of love that's being asked of us, I need to go and steal some words from Greek. In English, we kind of fall short of some other languages in describing certain things. In the Greek, we have specific words for specific types of love, and I'll try to explain here. Like I can say, I love my car, and I love my wife, using the same love word. I know implied, you'll say, oh, probably your wife you love a little bit better. Um, What if I said to you, I love my friend who I go bike riding with, but I also love vanilla ice cream? Well, if you didn't know any more than that, you'd say, well, what kind of ice cream are we talking about here? Is this high-end stuff, or what? And how long do you know this friend? But in Greek, we have different words and part of the reason we refer to Greek sometimes is because it gets us a little bit closer to the author's original words. In Greek we have four separate words for love agape, storge, phileo and eros. Agape is an unconquerable benevolence. If we love somebody in an agape way It means that we're placing ourselves in a pretty unique position with that person. What we're saying with agape love is that no matter what that person does to us, we will never allow any bitterness to enter our hearts. Storge is a family love. It's a love between a parent and a child. And it's a familiar love that grows within a close relationship. Phileo is friendship love, like, the, like someone's nearest and dearest friends. Eros is the love of man towards a woman and a woman to a man in an intimate relationship. Or it's the passion for human love or deep longing for another. So agape, love for all, storge, family love, phileo, friendship, or brotherly love, and eros, intimate love. Now, before I go any further, I must pause because some of these words about love might be difficult to hear. We live in a broken world with broken people, and I would like to acknowledge that your experience with one or more of these loves has fallen short of perfection. Ian, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean, not everyone received adequate love from a parent when they were a child or even now when they're an adult. Not every adult has had the ability to love in the way in which it is needed, by a friend, by a child, by a spouse. Not everyone has near and dear friends in this world to show appreciation and love for their friendship. Not everyone has had the experience of such an intimate love that is shared in a covenant relationship between a man and a woman in marriage. I'd like to pause here for a minute and just ask you to settle yourself and close your eyes and I'll read these again and then offer up a prayer. I believe the God, kingdom of God in our midst would like to speak to us in this area of love. Not everyone received adequate love from a parent. Not everyone has the ability to give love. Not everyone has near and dear friends to show friendship love. Not everyone has had the experience of intimate love. If that is you today, I want to tell you that His grace is available to you. The kingdom of God in our midst has grace that is sufficient for your hurts. And our Father in heaven who calls you and I by name is ready to shower you with his gentle and unconditional love that would even heal any resistance you have built up to being loved, because some of you have had your love rejected. Father, help us to lean into your presence and experience the love you have for us. I invite you to open your eyes, and we can continue to talk more about what's in our passage for today. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. With our enemies, it's not the love that you would have for a parent or a child or a friend. It is a love of the will. The love of the will is a determination of the mind, not something that freely comes from the emotions of our hearts. It is the power to love those who don't love us and who we don't naturally love. This kind of love is only possible under the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. It's the only way that can conquer racial barriers in your heart. It's the only way it can help us see people clearly as having lives that are sacred. It is the only way we can find forgiveness for years of systemic power and control and racism. Only he can change your heart and mind, and give us the ability to overcome the tendency to have anger and bitterness towards others you disagree with politically. Receiving his love and forgiveness is the first part. I'm really not sure what you would do, you know, if you don't, receive his love. Perhaps that's where hate can enter when you step outside of the lane of righteousness. With the kingdom of God in our midst, that love will allow you and I to become people who will love all men and all women. Now to be clear, I'm not saying that this kind of love some kind of blanket approach where you just love people without protecting your heart. Proverbs four twenty three tells us, above all else, guard your heart, for it is everything, for everything you do flows from it. In other translations it says, It is the wellspring of life. I'm also not saying that this kind of love of the will leaves people unchecked. And if people are going astray, you should tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, come back. I mean, we have all sorts of division that can cause us to have enemies in our hearts. We have people who wear white jeans after Labor Day. You can love them too. We have fans of our sports rivals across the way, between the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. We actually had a little discussion in the atrium here just a few minutes ago. You can love them too. There's also the other political parties and the hot button issues that have the ability to drive our blood pressure up. You can love folks who talk about these things and have strong political views. And then we have race, class, gender, divides. God help us to learn how to love with our wills. The good news is that by the love of the will, we can experience something really amazing when we engage with our enemies. We conquer something that comes from our instinct because naturally we would attack or retreat. We overcome our selfishness with the love that we've been given, and we can release that love in a Christian way. And we can remember again what God did for us when we were still sinners. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, the Democrats and the Republicans, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The Jews and Samaritans, those who humbly say I don't know and those who don't, all men and all women. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The kingdom of God in our midst presents us with a way to love our enemies. Amen.